This podcast is sponsored by CDO Group, the industry leader providing a full range of construction and project management services. CDO Group has managed thousands of projects in all 50 states. Their group of experts provide systems, processes, and procedures to make sure that your projects turn over on time and on budget every single time. With over 24 years of experience, CDO Group is the industry's leader in construction management and general contracting services. To find them, go to cdogroup.com. Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. If you like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Hello, and welcome to the Future of Development Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montategi, and today I'm joined by Adam Krasnowski. He is with Airworks, and he has taken drone flying to the next level. His company, Airworks, does topographic surveys, and the work that they're doing is quite impressive. Let's welcome Adam to the show. Adam, welcome to the show. You know, I'm excited to have you on today. I, I, we're going to hear all about Airworks and uh, how you got on there. But you know what? For me, it's just as important to find out about what got Adam in the business, right? Uh, how'd you got started? Sure. Well, uh, sometimes it's just a force of nature, uh, but uh, I always did have a, a hint of entrepreneurism in, in my soul. I started my first company out of pure necessity, which was a construction company. And that was because my wife and I got first uh, pregnant with our first child. And uh, the only way I knew how to make money was to do it myself. And so that's when I launched my first construction company. I always had these little side gigs going and I just took that to the next level. Well, you know, nothing like, uh, oh my God, I've got kids coming to motivate you uh, in, into action, right? I, I, for sure, I know that feeling. It, 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 it still know that feeling. I, it still gets me out of bed every day knowing that uh, I've got college, I've got five kids and it, it never stops amazing me how much energy that generates uh, kicking me out of bed to get me moving. So uh, I, I know that feeling. So where, where you know, give me a little bit of your background, Adam. When you started, uh, before you got to Airworks, you know, the work that you're doing now is really revolutionizing the speed by which you know developers can look at property and map it out uh you know this technology is 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 amazing but let's go back a little bit about you how did you get into uh software development from being a contractor when i was running my construction company um i was always drawn to technology technology and in, in tools uh n- not meaning like physical tools but uh, software tools that that could help me run a better system so a way a better way to run project management a better a better way to track progress right and i actually had a friend that wanted one day after going to a, a crossfit session to he said he had a drone and he wanted me to go out into the field and test flight with them. And I said, Hey, I have no idea what that means, but I'm in. So we set out, uh, it was one of the first editions of a DJI Phantom. Didn't even have a camera on it at that point in time camera, gimbal, none of that. It was just a flying uh, apparatus. So we strapped a, a gimbal and a GoPro to the bottom of it. And, uh, I saw an immediate or I had an immediate use case in my construction company at the time was really just a better way to take a picture. I didn't have to set up scaffolding. I didn't have to set up or or rent uh, a a lift to and shut down streets to go and inspect the side of a building or or get up on top of a roof of a building. So it was something that kind of came to me uh, during that uh, that time in my construction company. And it just evolved from there. Um, I did start my first drone company. It was more on 
the data capture side, it was a company called Fly For Me. At the time, it was even harder to fly drones. There was no uh, uh, Part 107. You had to have something called a triple three exemption. And so my company at the time, we... We uh, secured that triple three exemption. We started a pilot network uh, where where we uh, aggregated aircraft pilots, and then I would have to have a drone pilot kind of be the visual observer to be out on the site. So that's where it kicked off. You know, the markets changed. Part 107 came out. You know, my uh, my moat in the business was no longer there, which was the triple three exemption. And uh, I, through that time, started to see a little bit of different uh, problem statement. And the problem statement wasn't really how to capture the data. It was really how to manage the data because these things produce a ton of data. You know, I, uh, I I went through that same thing. You know, Eric over here was busting my chops the first time uh, he walked in and saw me with my drone, and I had nothing. I I literally just would go out and fly it around the neighborhood. He's like, "Where's your Where's all your your licensing?" And you've never even got this. I'm like, "No, I just bought it and just I'm I'm flying." He goes, "Yeah, you know, you're this is illegal." I'm like, "No, I didn't know it was illegal." So all <laughs> of a sudden, you know, he, he got me legal and got all this stuff going and and training, and I love flying that thing. Uh, you know, and, and today uh, our project managers around the country use the drone like never before you know they're able to go around buildings fly some of our guys are amazing at it they can go in and pull serial numbers and part numbers and check it uh, do roof inspections a lot of people that are afraid to get up on heights uh, to get up on ladders and get up there they can take the drone right on up take a serial number right off the side of an HVAC unit on you know 25 feet up in the air and uh, you know it's great the footage uh, really relates to customers really really well flying through buildings you know it's amazing where uh, today's technology, the drone technology has just really made it so much easier for the amateur uh, flyer to fly. Yeah, it certainly made it uh, easier to obtain data. And I think now where we are servicing this market, it becomes a lot more of a professional tool. Mm. Uh, in, in order for us, right, I guess, let me go back. I could say that in the very beginning, we were the pilot, right, just taking the pictures. We didn't really understand too much about where the picture was going from there. But now what our clients want is very accurate a very accurate mapping solution. And in order to deliver that for our clients, we have to be in total sync about how that data is captured, right? Not just the camera, but the actual ground resolution, so GSD, and how that is checked through ground control and check shots and all that type of thing. So it is definitely easier for an amateur to start flying now with all of the uh, the, the easy settings to, you know, take off and, and land when at, at just a, a click of a button. But in order to produce a, a deliverable for a surveyor engineer, right, that's when this thing starts to get a little more complicated. But that's why we're here. We're here to, to help our clients in that sense, to manage that data better, and also to be in, a, in, in complete alignment with horizontal and vertical accuracy. That's what our clients really care always about. Uh, as you look at software and as you develop the software to be able to look at uh, the different topographies that are out there, you know, how is it, as you've grown this from the beginning stages to now, how are you seeing and, and uh, you know, what's the advance that you had from the first iteration of that to where you are today? Well, as you know, our, our software leverages artificial intelligence and that also being machine learning and computer vision. Those are all very different terms in, in what AI is 
some sort of like usually a bucket that kind of everybody throws uh, that that uh, process into. But at the very beginning, the first iteration of an algorithm is, let's say, it's not fine tuned, right? There there hasn't been there's been a limited source of data to start off with, and as we grow as a company and as we start processing more and more client data sets, we use that data to improve on those algorithms to make better predictions across the board. Um, so it's just the, I guess, the nature of how we improve our models, our AI models, is that the more and more data we, we input into the system, uh, we start to see progression. And of course, we advance on offering more than uh, we did when we started, but also just, just a cleaner product at the end of the day. Nice. So as, as you're developing the software, and, you know, the speed by which you were able to transfer it from a photograph you're taking of a site to actual technical information, uh, what's that process that you go through? Our clients actually are tasked with doing the data capture themselves now. So to have the most accurate uh, uh, aerial imagery so, or geo-referenced imagery, there's a way that you have to fly very uh, uh, a, a grid-like pattern, and it has to be at a certain height. And you also have to set something called ground control, as I just mentioned. The next stage to data capture and setting ground control is running it through a process called photogrammetry. And that still is in the hands of our clients. So data capture, photogrammetry, the end result of photogrammetry, you usually left with uh, two files types that we care about is one is a geo tiff which is your two-dimensional information and and the second is a point cloud which is your three-dimensional information and we take those two different file types we run them through two different pipelines in our software one produces 3d information so your your surface which which uh, goes into contours right so your topography the other is for uh, feature extraction so where tracing the edge of a road and where a paint marking is on that road or where a curb is or a sidewalk and the list goes on from there. So some of our clients care about 2D planimetrics or 2D line work. And so that's really what we do. We automate that feature extraction. We think about somebody just in a drawing on a parking lot that has a thousand parking uh, lines on it. Up to this point, it's just a manual click, you know, the start point, the end point, move down the line, start point, end point. And so automating that process really opens up the doors for our clients to kind of take out that, that tedious work and really focus on what, what they've been trained for uh, through engineering school and, and through their, uh, their certification and licensing through becoming a surveyor or a certified photogrammetrist, whatever it is. Yeah, right. You know, as you look at the software, how accurate are they, right? From, from uh, you know, when you're doing these, when you're checking on these, how, how accurate can you be? So that really is kind of on the, uh, our client's uh, side on how accurate it is. And, and here's what, why. During the, the process of data capture and photogrammetry, depending again how you fly, you are going to be left with a pixel uh, measure, measurement for the imagery, also known as a GSD or a pixel, right? Our claim is a company on the two-dimensional side that we're within two pixels. So if our clients choose to give us imagery that is two millimeter resolution, then we can be very accurate, right? Within two pixels of two millimeters. If our clients choose to send us satellite data uh, at let's say uh, 30 or 60 centimeters, we're within two pixels of that. So you can kind of see the gambit, the difference between what is accurate or not, right? Um, we always talk about it in terms of quality. 
especially on the 3D side. There are, there are mapping standards out there set by groups like ASPRS that set what is, uh, what is acceptable in the mapping world. And so we help guide our clients to, first of all, be in alignment with what uh, survey uh, grade accuracies are and what mapping grade accuracies are how to, of course, navigate what flight or what height they need to fly with what camera they have. And then we can kind of show what the quality is when we hand that deliverable back to, to them. So the client's left with when they're done with your survey and then uh, they do the survey themselves. Now they run through your system. Uh, what, what are they, what's the deliverable they get out of that? There's a couple of different types. The very uh, bare bones, it's a DXF file. That DXF is a, an open source file type that goes into a CAD system like Autodesk or Bentley, or there's others out there as well. That DXF can be converted into a file, file type like a DWG or a DGN. Those are the, the two typical ones that they're being converted into. But it is, uh, it is really uh, just a place where the, the vectorization of the imagery that we've just produced uh, can be worked on in, in, a, in a CAD environment afterwards. Nice. You know, whenever we're doing uh, 3D, 3D imaging inside buildings, right now with uh, Matterport-type cameras, yeah, what's the difference between a Matterport uh, image on the inside and the drone footage on the outside? Why, why are we using different cameras for those in comparison? Well, that's actually a good question. So I am maybe not too familiar with what, Matterport's export is. Yep. So if it is a point cloud, uh, which is a .las file, then there isn't much difference. At the end of the day, uh, LiDAR produces a point cloud, a .las format. Photogrammetry produces a point cloud, a .las format. And it, it is possible that Matterport would do the same. So the theory of how you would train an AI system to extract features is, isn't any different on the exterior side as it is in the interior side. You have to, of course, start to build a model that can recognize whatever objects you're, you're interested in. But at the very base, you need a ton of data up front, the input data, the training data to help you uh, make better predictions as you run uh, live projects through that model. You know, it feels like whenever we do those uh, 3D images outside, you know, from ground level, which is a human doing it, we get some mixed results depending on the sun and how, how, how bright it is outside. Mm. Uh, oftentimes it seems like we get some interference from uh, sunlight uh, affects the, you know, the LiDAR or what's inside the camera. So um, it does feel like uh, we are a lot less accurate on the outside of a building than we are on the inside. Yeah. Th I mean, things that you just named off, we call those artifacts or distortion in the imagery and the same thing happens exterior so let's say in the winter time actually asprs will recommend that after the, or when the sun is at a certain angle that you don't actually fly because of the interference that you get so shadowing heavy shadowing from the sun can produce a ton of artifacts and distortion in the imagery at the end of the day so a nice a cloudy day is actually the best day to fly on, uh, but we can't always flight plan on cloudy days. Uh, Eric, Eric's over here in the background going, yeah, I, I know that feeling. He's uh, uh, he's exactly right because it seems like we get uh, a, bunch, a bunch of different images based on uh, sun and, and the interference with the sun that's, that's going out there. So uh, I saw that you had a, a pretty good, uh, the drone, uh, who are the guys with the orange drone? Oh, that's Wingstra. Wing, yeah, Wingstra. Yeah, it seemed like a really great uh, uh, combination between the two of you guys tell me about your relationship with them we are uh, very close with these guys there's a, there's a lot of talks going on right now um with some some uh some deeper work together but 
their their airframe in general is a fantastic tool, right? You have the ability to now from a fixed wing to they, they it's a VTOL system, so a vertical takeoff and landing. So no longer do you have to slingshot these things in the air or kind of do a crash landing with them. These things can now take off and land uh, perfectly. But what's interesting on 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 top of that VTOL system is the their camera payload. So this allows uh, us to fly at the 400 foot limit um, or whatever, f- you know, flight restrictions you have to adhere to might, might be a little bit lower than that, but you could fly at a 400 feet and still get the same ground resolution as if you were flying a DJI phantom at 150 feet, wow. uh, which is quite remarkable. Yeah. It allows you to collect a lot more data, a lot faster and still hit the same quality marks. Oh, that's pretty cool. I, I think the, uh, you know, the DJI uh, format that I'm doing, it does collect a lot of data and it's very difficult for us to transport that data. The files get pretty large. Yeah, they do. I mean, that is exactly why the, what, one of the reasons why this com- company sprung out, right. Is we were starting to do this, fl- the, the flying for clients. We were managing the photogrammetry when we would hand over those 2d and 3d files to the, our clients to say, okay, the link that you sent us to go view this in this, in this uh, portal are great, but, what do we do with it afterwards? Every time I try to bring this 3D model into my uh, uh, civil 3D uh, system, it crashes. So there is a, it's kind of a love-hate relationship where we want a lot of data because that gives us some of the best results. It takes an impact or it has an impact on our computing uh, capabilities. And so this is, again, this is where Airworks is able to help with that, to, to manage those types of uh large, large data sets. Our platform is based in the cloud. We're stacked on AWS. So as far as uh, computing power goes, we can leverage uh, some of the biggest computers in the world. Um, That allows us to to help manage clients' data sets that are now flying for days on end to capture uh, site details. But uh, yeah, just breaking it down, sometimes at the the initial upload, we need to tile the data sets so we can get that into the cloud easier, but then that gets merged back together uh, on the back end. So as you look at uh, where you are today, right, and you start to predict where you're going or what's that magnet you've thrown out there and you're pointing your company at, you know, wh- where, where do you see yourselves going uh, here in the near, near future? Right now, our, our process at, at how we deliver projects to clients is we still have a human in the loop that does a little bit of the cleanup work before we send that back to the client. So our goal as a company is that we want to get this as close as we can, it'll never be a hundred percent perfect, right? That it's, that's going to be impossible with any kind of AI, right? There's always going to, to, to need to be a, a little bit of human in the loop uh, as you will, but we want to get it as close to it. So our clients will accept the AI out of the box. And then we are building a tool set in our app that will help you easily uh, clean that up and maybe also add in features that, that we don't have AI built around. And, I think on top of that, we see a world where now that drone delivery, let's say, I know this is outside of what we do, but drone delivery, right? There's going to be more aircraft, more drones flying around, and they have the ability to collect data. So I think as we start to see data in general be a little bit more on demand at the higher resolution side, then it it will open up the door for clients to be able to pull high-res imagery and process it in real time. Right now we can tap into satellite imagery whenever we want. 
you know, there are so many platforms out there where uh, if, if I want imagery from yes yeah. or today, today at three o'clock, I can go to Maxar and I can order that image set. And that's real time. Even manned aircraft might not be, well, actually there are systems out there where we can still call for data sets at very specific times. And I would call that more medium resolution, but out of that high res, which is really for a higher grade mapping and, and survey grade product, um, having those data sets more readily available, I think is where we really want to see them, the, this industry go. And, and I, and I do see a pathway there already. So can you imagine drones just flying all around, making deliveries at the same time, uh, mapping all the geo, you know, mapping the areas uh, and cars and people moving and all, all the stuff that's happening at the same time. Absolutely. I think it's easier to manage, um, airspace in a sense than it is our road networks. Our every when we drive on the road, we're talking two dimensions, right? Now we get into yeah, 3D. Yeah. We can we can slice off airspace, and and this is of course what is already happening between commercial flight and helicopter and 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 our UAV in that UAV space that that we can operate in. Uh, you know, it, it will be uh, much easier to operate. And as soon as we get things like remote ID, where all drones are able to talk to the other aircraft that are out there, or, or at least be connected to the FAA, which should be uh, monitoring this type of thing. Once we get there, and everything is accounted for, yes, this can run very smooth. I'm sure you've seen the videos at, let's say, an Amazon factory, when all the robots are kind of oh, scurrying yeah. around the floor. Like what, the synchrony there, right, is pretty amazing. The same thing can be said in the air, in our airspace as well. Yeah, being that I'm a uh, amateur pilot now, uh, starting to fly and learn learn how to do all that, the amount of data that happens gets transferred via human today. Uh, you can see how AI and technology will be able to speed that up quite, you know, quite n nicely, uh, make it a lot safer to communicate out there uh, and move. You know, I'm excited to watch where you guys are going. It's, it's a it's a neat new field, and you certainly are being able to make uh, this process a lot easier than sitting out in the field with a tape measure in, like they did in the old days. Uh, it's it's a pretty neat uh, uh, technology the way you you put this together. I'm excited to watch your advance as as you guys come up with new products. I'd love for you to come on the show and tell us some more about it. I'd love to anytime. It's great. It's great. You know, Adam, um, thanks a lot for the time. I, I look forward to uh, uh, when you guys have some new releases. Absolutely. Thank you. We'll keep you posted on everything and, and feel free to check out our website has uh, everything we're doing uh, in a nice little package. And if you're interested in reaching out, where you always can find us. All right. Why don't you go ahead and listen with the website and uh, how to contact you, Adam? Sure. Our website is airworks, A-I-R-W-O-R-K-S dot I-O. And uh, my email address is adam at airworks.io. Adam, I am grateful as always to have these talks with you and uh, look forward to uh, as you guys progress and where, where you go. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Montegi. Always looking for people to bring insight into the industry, finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share with your friends.